Flip the switch. It's time to get <laughs> silly, bitch. <laughs> <sighs> it's not a mouthful until you chin tuck the nuts, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> God almighty. Operation Deep Throat commence. <laughs> That was a lot. I apologize. And that, that was, is the beginning of the podcast. That was that was that was construction humor there. I'm sorry. Welcome back to the Five Dirty Bikers Podcast. Hey Dust. Yes, sir. On a more serious note, who by chance are we talking to tonight? Well, everybody, welcome back to Five Dirty Bikers Podcast. Today, we got another special guest episode. We got David from Forgotten Angels, and also joining us is Jared Weems, returning guest. How you doing, Jared? David? Doing amazing. Thank you for having me. Guys, I'm doing awesome. I'm sitting at a campfire outside of Bike Week Daytona 2021, just having a blast being able to join with you guys tonight. Sweet. It's good to see you again, David. It's awesome to meet you for the first time. And yeah, like we've been, we've been pushing your stuff a lot the last couple of months. Um, I think the word's out, but if you want, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners and kind of tell us a little bit about Forgotten Angels and what you guys got going on now. Yeah. Um, I was introduced to Forgotten Angels in uh, 2016. Cindy Tilly is the uh, um, founder and, and heart and soul of Forgotten Angels. Um, I was working with Quentin Aaron, the actor from The Blind Side, who I, I still work with um, here and there. And um, we learned about what she was doing to support children in the community that had aged out of foster care or that were either at risk or homeless. And when Quentin and I heard what she was doing and how she was doing it and the, the minimal amount of resources that she had available to her, we just knew that we wanted to, to be involved and, and support her mission. And so after a short period, Quentin went uh, back to Los Angeles to film a couple of movies and Cindy contacted me. So um, I started supporting her mission um, and that was, you know, five years ago. Now we've gone from uh, running a foundation from inside her garage to a 12 and a half acre property here in Valrico, Florida. Uh, we have uh, 17 young men that uh, have aged out of foster care that live on the property. Uh, we have a new property that we've just uh, acquired. Uh, it's another seven acres uh, oh. where we will house as many as 150 tiny homes, all powered by solar. So we'll be the first ever solar-powered tiny home aged out community. That so is it's, awesome. It's a, it's a mouthful. Um, and then we also have uh, some really good support system in Atlanta from a former um, uh Camelot Community Care member who's moved on to Atlanta. Uh, his name is Nelson, and Nelson wants to open an, um, a facility for us in Atlanta. Um, and then later on this year, we look to open another facility in North Carolina near Pinehurst. So nice. uh, it's a, a, a huge undertaking. Uh, when I came on as executive director, um, I'm, I'm always looking at things from a 500 feet up and um, so I knew that we needed to do something special. So essentially our goal is to provide every single one of these kids with um, 
most of the resources and support that, that uh, a lot of us take for granted. I had two great parents um, who provided us with everything. So um, I know what they don't have. Cindy knows what they've been through. So together we make a pretty solid team. Um, and so our goal is to make sure that when they arrive, um, no matter what their circumstances, they leave with an education, they leave with um, a tiny home, with a car, with their driver's license, um, with the support of the motorcycle community. A lot of our kids are getting their uh, motorcycle endorsements and scooters and motorcycles. So we're really moving in the direction of getting these kids, you know, being really, really ready for the world as we know it, not as they know it, because their expectations um, are based on what they know, and they know very little because they've had such a small amount of support for their entire lives. So Forgotten Angels was basically established to fill that gap and provide these kids with all they need to be able to move on in a successful way. That, that is, is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. That's so really when awesome. they leave, they get to take their tiny home with them? They do. Um, when they arrive, um, about half of the kids that we get, we just absorb. There's no financial benefits to us. Um, they were homeless. We just take them in. We don't use how much money we get or don't get as a deciding or determining factor as to whether we'll help you on some of these young men. Um, we help all of them. So what we do is we first do an assessment and find out where they are. Uh, if they need to get their GED or their um, diplomas, um, education and, uh, and work is mandatory at Forgotten Angels. Uh, so is counseling. And so the very first thing we do is we get them moving forward. Um, we start with their driver's license, with education, getting them back in school, getting them part-time jobs. Um, we take them wherever they need to go so they can get on the path of success. Um, we start working on their uh, credit scores. A lot of the kids come to us with credit scores that were destroyed um, through no fault of their own, through parents that decided that they needed an extra iPhone um, <clears throat> that they couldn't afford and didn't have the credit for. So there's a lot of work that goes into making sure we find out where these kids are when we get them so we can place them in the right direction of where they need to go. Wow. So David, I have a question for you. And this, this kind of struck me um, prior to coming on and it was something I just thought of tonight. So um, you, you mentioned just a few minutes ago that you were a product of a very healthy two parent family, right? Mm -hmm. So when you bring these young men and then, and that's essentially what they are at that point, right? Cause they're 18, they've aged out of the system. So they're young men. How do you establish credibility when they may just look at you and say, you don't understand what I've been through because you've never been there. You know what I mean? Like how, how where, where do you establish that, that uh, credibility? Is that just, is that based uh, solely on the fact that you're just taking them in and it, because trust is not just given, right? Especially with, with kids that have gone through trauma, right? They, they probably lack a lot of trust and especially probably don't trust adults very much. So how do you guys that's do that? Great, that's a great question. And that's really where Cindy comes in. Cindy aged out of foster care herself. She's been through everything that they've been through and more. Um, the amount of resources that are available now to these young gentlemen are significantly better than when she aged out. She had to work two, three, four jobs at a time to be able to scrounge to get to where she is. 
um, you know, seeing is believing for a lot of the boys. Um, they see that I have a boat and a car and a couple of motorcycles. They come to the property that belongs to to myself and Cindy. Um, so part of the, the proof is in the in, in the in the pudding. They see that we have all the things that we want them to have. So there's a little bit of trust there, but it takes time. Um, I don't profess to to have the answers to all of their their questions. But I do have an unwavering support that I offer them no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstances, I'm there for them and I stand behind them the same way that my father used to stand behind me. And, and, and that, that takes time, uh, but it, it, it has built up to where the majority of the boys have uh, enough trust in me that they'll listen to my counsel. So the next, I mean, and that, and that, I guess that, that completely answers my question. And then the second part of that, that I was curious about is, you know, um, I would, I would imagine that not all of these young men are with it without their troubled backgrounds too, besides the fact that they just don't have parents or, or don't have somebody that necessarily is, is caring for them, um, how many opportunities or chances do you get them? Do you give them to keep them out of trouble? You know what I mean? If they're, if, if they're, you know, in those kind of situations, um, what does that look like for you guys? Uh, That's a great question. Forgotten angels is about restoration. Um, We don't judge a lot of the kids that have issues or problems stem from a lack of support uh, before they even got to forgotten angels. And so we're not going to hold them accountable for mistakes that they made just trying to get through life. Um, That being said, Forgotten Angels doesn't pay bail either. Um, They make mistakes once they've arrived at Forgotten Angels. Um, They're pretty much on their own. We will support them through the mistakes that they've made. uh, And many of them have made quite a few mistakes. Um, We'll go to court. We have a number of attorneys that work with Forgotten Angels that will stand up in court for them. Um, we'll do everything that we can to get them ready for court by either getting them in school, getting them, you know, gainfully employed and making them really what the, 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 the judge would want them to, to be um, if they were incarcerated and went through all these issues without having to be incarcerated. So what we do is we just basically put them in cleanup mode the second they get onto the property. We work with their parole officers. We work with probation officers. We work with counselors. We work with judges. We work with the courts to try and make sure that these um, kids are seen the way they're becoming as a, being, uh, as a result of being a part of Forgotten Angels. That's great. So, so you guys are essentially, you're like, you know, we're going to help you, but we're also going to teach you accountability and responsibility all at the same time. I don't, I don't know that you can teach accountability. Accountability is something you, you either are accountable or you're not. Um, and maybe you can, I don't know. Um, but we hold them accountable for whatever decisions they make the day they arrive at Forgotten Angels. The majority of the kids arrive on their birthdays, so their first day is uh, usually a celebration. So there's never any issues on their first days. But a lot of kids, you know, have friends that um, are have influenced them in the past and try to reintroduce themselves into their lives once they arrive at Forgotten Angels. And we do our level best to try and keep our kids separated from the mistakes they made in the past. That's awesome. Ooh. And David, let everybody know, where can we find you guys online? 
Um, we're at ForgottenAngelsFlorida.org. We're right in the, at the, uh, the beginning stages of uh, redoing all of our social media, so all those will be up soon. But our website is the best place to go to. It's www.ForgottenAngelsFlorida.org. Very awesome. So I don't know if I don't know if uh, Jared Jared told you at all, David. But one of the things we wanted to do is um, we wanted to uh, when we when we heard about Jared and we had Jared on and and we wanted to find our own way to contribute. Um, we wanted to do our part. So individually, you know, we bought tickets and did that kind of thing. But we wanted to do Thank something you. as our as our own um, entity, our own podcast that had nothing to do with buying tickets. And so um, we have what we call Patreon, which is um, people that enjoy what we do and want to support what we do. And um, they, you know, out, out of their own pocket will donate to, to our, um, you know, our ability to continue to do this podcast that pays our expenses and that kind of stuff. And so what we did was we committed to giving all of our money that we got from our February Patreon dollars. And we want to donate that to, to your charity this evening. Oh, thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Even the smallest donations allows us to go out and buy some clothes for them, some shoes, um, you know, maybe a couple personal items that, um, they may not have been able to, to get otherwise. So just thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts. We really appreciate that. Thank We'd you. like to thank our patrons um, for their donations. Last month, we had some new patrons join last month, and all of those dollars went towards Forgotten Angels. Awesome work, everybody. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Jared. Yes, sir. Living it up in Daytona right now. <clears throat> I don't know if you would say living it up or living it down. We're sleeping on the ground. <laughs> so you having a good time out there? Yeah, it's been an amazing week. And, uh, you know, over the last eight months, kicking this raffle off to support Forgotten Angels, uh, we kind of knew going into this last two-week push that it was, it was going to be a lot of work, uh, a lot of events, a lot of shows, obviously, with this past year with – you know, dealing with the, the shutdowns due to coronavirus and, and COVID. Um, it's been, you know, it's been, it's, it's been a feat, but it's been a, it's been a real blessing to be able to, to go to all of these different events and do it. But yeah, this last few weeks, man, we're, we're pumping it out, man. We're trying to represent forgotten angels and, and Cindy, what she's doing for these kids and David, how he's leading these kids to, to be able to, you know, provide a place that they can call home. Mm. Normally, I would insert a witty comment here. <laughs> Come on, Mike. Come on. Where's well, the wit at? Man, I I can't. There's just nothing. No, it's all good. There's I, nothing I, I, funny about. There's nothing funny about kids in need, and that's no. the only. That's my only thing. I mean, I I, I actually worked with a gentleman who was in the. Uh, he was in the foster care system. Uh, you know, luckily for him, he. Um, towards the, towards his older years, he was able to get into a home that, that had, you know, had, uh, two parents that cared about him and put him on the right track. And, um, you know, he's a good dude. And so it's, yeah, it, it's one of those that I've, he's most of the people that's not a, that's, that's not part of a conversation that comes up with people that you meet. I don't, I don't lead in with, 
hey, were you somebody in the foster care system? Um, so, <laughs> right. but it's when it comes to uh, kids in need, young adults, whatever, that's not really uh, something that I see as a laughing matter. And absolutely. Now, I'd, uh, you know, <laughs> just, just to bounce on what you're saying, man, it, uh, kind of the whole story, of, you know, that all of this began was. I got a phone call saying, you know, hey, you need to head out to, you know, this this property where they're taking care of these kids. Maybe you have, you know, something to offer them, you know, whether it, you know, be teaching a kid how to change a tire on a, you know, a car or teach a kid how to weld or do some fabrication. And I literally went out there. I called David and Cindy up and I'm like, hey, I'd just like to come out and meet you guys and see what's going on out there. And I went out there to meet them and we're sitting around this big table having this conversation. And I'm thinking in my head, you know, what do I have to offer these kids? And, and I literally asked David and Cindy, what do you guys need? What can I do? And, you know, obviously it always comes back to, you know, finances. It takes money to be able to help these kids. It takes money to get a tiny home for these kids. It takes money to keep the electric bill on, you know? And so I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, well, I don't have a whole lot of money. I just built this motorcycle and wasted all of my money. And, um, (laughs) yeah. And so like literally sitting at that table in that moment, I said, you know what? Screw it. You can have this motorcycle. Let's raffle it off. Let's raise some money for these kids and let's see where it goes. And, you know, me and David, we've been to several events over the last, you know, few months, and we've had those intimate conversations of like, you know, where do we see this going? You know, what do we think, you know, you know, honestly, what do we think we could bring in through this? And and every, like every day, my mind is blown because all I did was play Legos with motorcycle parts. That's the way I look at it. And, you know, it's, it's everyone else who are purchasing the raffle tickets that are doing the work. They're the people, you know, I just built a motorcycle. I just, you know, said, Hey, you can have this thing. Let's figure out from there. And, you know, it's those people who are purchasing the tickets that are, that are making the impact. I, every day that we're at a show, I tell people, thank you. You purchase one ticket. You're already a winner in my book, whether you get the bike or whether you get any of the prizes, you already won. Cause you helped these kids out. Mm-hmm. Jared, I would just like to say, I know you put your heart into that bike and you have definitely put your heart into pushing forward, um, raising money for Forgotten Angels. You've taken that bike to, I don't know how many events now and put it in front of people and, <laughs> Me either. and, presented, and presented Forgotten Angels. And, you know, I for one am proud of the work that you've done for this charity. And I know that they're going to benefit greatly from it. Well, on behalf of uh, my wife, number one, who's allowed this to happen, and my family to allow me to travel and, and do this, and on behalf of, you know, all the listeners that are listening right now, everybody that's purchased a ticket, David and Cindy for what they're doing, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for letting me be a part of it. Yeah, and hell, Tony's already made a spot for it in his garage. He's real confident. <laughs> <laughs> like, real confident. Guys, we... Hey, from Five Dirty Bikers, bottom of our hearts, we appreciate Jared, everything that he has done. Jared, everything that you were doing. Uh, David, the time that you spend at 
you know, out of your life, helping these kids is amazing. And that I, I'm sort of speechless. I mean, it's, it's such a it's great awesome. cause. It's a great yeah. cause. Yeah. I right, thank you. I appreciate all the support. Absolutely. No problem. Hi. Right. Motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. What? Cocksucker. Ooh. <laughs> Wow. Smile like a donut. That's a mouthful. <laughs> it sure is. Uh-huh. <laughs> switch, it's time to get silly, bitch. <laughs> <sighs> it's not a mouthful until you chin tuck the nuts, Mike. <laughs> God almighty. Operation Deep Throat Commence. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot. I apologize. And that, that was, is the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> that was that was that was construction humor there. I'm sorry. All right, guys. Now's this time for a Texas lane change. <laughs> if you didn't feel it, you will. Yes. Yeah. Breathe sure through the relax. pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I think it need, needs to be discussed since uh, riding season is now upon us with some quickness after that goddamn cold snap we had <laughs> that we need to talk about motorcycle safety and riding within your limits, among other things. So right. getting back to a full flexed out scorpion. <laughs> If you've never been scorpioned, it's about time. It's like like doing a handstand with no hands. You just got to watch out for the stinger. I'm telling you. When your feet, when you're, when, when the bottoms of your feet wrap around your back and kick you in the forehead, you have done something. Yes, you have. Mistakes were made. Big fucking mistakes. Ouch. Yeah. Some people might not call those mistakes. Wow. They don't. They're fucking strange. Sometimes that might happen in the red room. Sometimes that happens in a red room. Yeah. God damn. It'd be amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how flexible them gymnasts are. Mm-hmm. It sure is. So does uh, one of you guys want to share Matt's story and then we'll get into yeah. this thing? All right, everybody. So those of you that may or may not know, one of our very own, Matt, he goes by NetShark9993 on our Discord and on social media, um, was in a pretty serious motorcycle accident. um, And he essentially has been hospitalized and will be requiring multiple surgeries before he is released from the hospital. And so that kind of leads us to um, talking about our, our subject of safety. And Matt did, um, you know, kind of one of those things that can happen very easily when you're riding the motorcycle is that he was riding a bike that he wasn't as familiar with. Um, so he was riding his dad's bike. He uh, did something that we've all done thousands of times, which was he took his eyes off the road Um and looked down. And when he looked up, his buddies that were riding in front of him were breaking into a turn. And um, Matt did the same and was breaking into the turn and he locked up the tires on the bike 
and immediately went down. Uh, as far as details, we don't know, and Matt doesn't really know either. He he knows that he was up one moment, and the tires locked up, and he was he was down the next moment. We saw pictures of his bike, and uh, that bike is his dad's bike, and it's a 2019, I believe, soft yep. tail slim. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's been totaled. It's destroyed. Yeah, it's totaled. That that bike, uh, it it did some flips. I would agree. I think it it did so. Flips. Yeah, I would almost guarantee that he he high sided on it. But, yes, you know, uh, he doesn't remember because it happened so fast. But the way the bike looks, it looks like the bike did a few flips, and that usually happens when you high side. And so we're not telling everybody this because we are trying to say anything disparaging about Matt. We're really saying that. Um, with riding season on us again, and those of us, myself included, who have been sitting for four months and haven't gotten on our bikes and haven't been riding, that um, you need to be aware of all the things you're aware of at the end of last season when you got off your bike, which is, you know, follow your safety precautions, make sure you're checking over your bike when you get on it, you know, do the things you would normally do because you can take your eyes off the road for, for one second and um, and you can go down very quickly. And, and ironically, Ironically enough, directly, Matt had his accident uh, one day, and the very next day, another member of our Discord was hit by a uh, car. Um, this was not an injury-causing accident, but he was hit by somebody who wasn't paying attention and rear-ended him when he was at a stop at a stop sign. They didn't hit him full force. They literally were at a stop behind him and rolled forward into him um, when they weren't paying attention and looking and uh, knocked him off his bike and knocked his bike down too. It's all fun and games until you get an Oldsmobile emblem up your ass. You're not kidding, man. That's one of my biggest fears. But also the beginning of the riding season, take it easy in, until you get the feels back. Yeah. You know, because I guarantee you, you're a much better rider at the end of the season than you are at the beginning of the season. Never yeah. be overconfident. Yeah. No, always, don't. always give your time to to get acclimated back to the bike if you've been yeah. off of it for a while. And then you're and you guys state, do they have a big movement? I know a bait does in this state. I have a big movement every morning. I had a huge movement when I got home from work today. <laughs> it's healthy. Huge movements are healthy. Just so you guys all know. I get rid of that stuff. That's right. It don't yeah. belong. That shit's real. <laughs> so what were you saying dustin about but a bait do you guys have an organization or company that really pushes watch for motorcycles like yes late march early april i mean the, the yellow banners go up they're in the dealerships you can get free bumper stickers it's really it's more of an awareness for the people in cagers but it's yeah. a great message for for everybody i think because we all ride cars we, we don't ride motorcycles everywhere. We, you know, yeah, we, we have a lot of too. street signs here on like known motorcycle routes. Yeah. You know, watch yeah. for motorcycles, watch for motorcycles on, you know. Tony, do they paint that on the road next to the dicks that are painted on the road to watch out for motorcyclists? No, there's, there's not on the road. It's actual road signs. The dicks are oh, just, okay. just for, just for fun. Well, I mean, I yeah. think it would be effective if he painted a dick on the on the on the ground to write to write right next to it. Watch out for motorcyclists. Well, that's, you have to draw the boobies. You have to draw oh, the boobies. That's what draws for the motorcycles. Right. Yeah. yeah, and you take the L and the two boobies and the K, which 
I'm 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 assuming this is supposed to be for look. I don't know why you wouldn't use something other than boobies. <laughs> <laughs> Incorporate it like for eyes or something. Okay. So well, let's talk about one thing here that that Matt did that we're all guilty of, and yep. that is looking down at the speedometer, checking checking stuff on your handlebars, and taking your eye off the road. We're all a hundred percent guilty of that. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you know. And- and the thing with Matt, the, the the thing is, is that I don't even know if that bike was that bike was newer than that. That bike was like a 2020 or a 2021 because it was still in its break-in period. It, it only had 300 miles on it. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was a 2019 that he bought. He bought, bought it new. in 2020. It, it, it was a left. Yeah, it was. It was a carry. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But and and all he did was he had looked down to look at the RPMs to make sure that he wasn't above. Yep. The, the, the RPMs because of the break-in period. Of the break-in. Absolutely. Yeah. Of the break-in. You know, one of my big things is I question is like all these new bikes that are coming out with these big touchscreen displays and shit. How much of a distraction is that to have all this information right there in front of you while you're riding? Cause I know when I used to, I, I used to put my phone on my handlebars for a while and then I, I just took it off because I caught myself looking at it too much when yeah. I was riding. The only thing I want to look myself at is looking how much at your gas? hand the more you s- sling it in front of the camera because oh. your camera goes this? out of focus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no, but get, I, 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 wonder. I get what you're saying. The only thing I want to see is how much gas do I have and what gear am I in? Yeah. So I, I wonder, you know, if you have these big touchscreen displays like on even like the Pan America with ride modes and all this different stuff that you can do, how much of a distraction is that actually going to be when you're riding? Yeah. Well, I think I think a lot of them, and and don't quote me in this because I'm not sure, but I think that like on the road glides, I don't think that you can program the GPS while the bike is moving. But you're still looking at a GPS, though, is what I'm saying. When you're riding, you're still looking down, looking at this GPS. You know, one of the things I like to do um, was when I programmed the gps on mine is i just i listen for the instructions in my ear and i try not to look down at the map yeah um that's that's kind of what i that's one of the things that i try to do to to um you know to to give myself the correct directions Yeah. yeah and i mean you know as far as distracted too especially for us that make videos when you're moto vlogging it doesn't get much more distracted than that yeah i mean that's the truth you know you're thinking of what you're saying you're th- worried about the camera you're worried about your audio and you're trying to fucking motor down the road at 70 miles an hour mm. you know it's it's a lot going on let's talk about something that matt did that really helped save his life and keep him from not getting injuries in some parts of his body was his helmet helmets are key now i i know he said that the helmet visor when he made impact it cracked and it put a little cut over his eye, but I'd rather take that, which I'm sure he's going to say the same thing than, you know, cracking his skull open. Yeah. Fucking head trauma. Oh, it didn't put a little cut over his no, eye. It, it put a huge gash good. over his eye. Yeah. But you know, that goes, that goes to say, even like I watched Adam Sanderval, he put a video out about helmets a couple of days ago. And most of the impact when you fall is in the chin area On is your face. highest area. Yep. So unless you're wearing a full faced helmet, I mean, you could still lose half your face. Yeah, yes. you go down with that. There are helmet. just yeah. just Google um, 
I mean, you can Google a uh, face injury from motorcycling and there's guys on there that do not have a lower jaw. Yeah. Mm-mm, let's not do that. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a I mean, big fan of the full face helmet. I really yeah. am. And not only yeah. is it safer, it's just, I find it more comfortable and quieter and the wind's not blowing your eyeballs off and, you know, I just find it a more comfortable ride, actually. But the safety is key on them. Yeah. And buy yeah, a good uh, one. Don't cheap out yeah. on a helmet. Buy a good helmet. But it says it's DOT rated. You need to get one higher than DOT rated. So is a bucket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that and that's, you know, and I know that there's a lot of controversy about about uh helmets and wearing them and not wearing them and that kind of stuff and just like tony mentioned and mike mentioned is that if you're gonna wear a helmet you should wear a good helmet and you should wear a full face helmet the the half helmets the the ones that don't protect your face there's a high probability like tony said that if you go down you're going to injure or damage your face if you've not fully protected it with a full face helmet and so, you know, there, there are some people that would say, if you're not going to wear a full face helmet, don't wear one at all because, you know, <clears throat> it's still going to save your skull, but it's a full face, you know, a full face helmet is the only thing that's, that's going to protect your face at the same time. And um, another piece of safety equipment that Matt wore that he told me about was his boots. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. didn't have any ankle injury or any foot injury whatsoever. And I am guilty of that a hundred percent. I wear fucking veins. I mean, I don't wear boots. Uh, I do occasionally, but not very often. Well, and that's what, uh, if you guys follow Rusty Bagger, uh, 24 on Instagram, he preached safety, 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 safety. And he broke his ankle and he was wearing Vans. Yeah. I am a hundred percent guilty of, of like, I'm a, I'm bad. I'm going to be honest. A full face helmet is pretty much all I got. Everything else I'm, I'm really slacking on. Well, I can tell you the guys that don't wear the full face helmets or they wear just like the little thin helmets, they think they're most of the people are like, man, I want to look cool. And I, you know, cause I'm, you know, I'm sure a lot of them think, well, I'm a handsome guy on this Harley Davidson. What those little or, skull cap ha- helmets. Yeah. Little skull All cap you got to do is paint a little slit on the top and you look like a dickhead. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Squeeze the reservoir tip. bitches. Yeah. <laughs> fucking but, fucking mushroom tip man but what they don't take into account is you know their pretty little face the first time they have any type of accident their pretty little face is gone it's kind of hard to look really masculine and muscular without a nose without a <laughs> nose and on another safety garment he had on was the odin gloves and he said they held up really well mm. Nice. He lost. Them, so he lost some leather on him. Of course, they need to be replaced. But his hands, Mary. Were... Yes. Do you not wear gloves, Mary? No, sir. I do wear gloves. Gloves and a helmet. You don't. You should wear gloves, Mary. Very rarely do I wear gloves. Only when it's super cold. Tony, have you have you abandoned the uh, the fingerless gloves? I have abandoned those ever since I got those uh those Odin gloves, those heavy hitters though, that's perforated. Yeah. yeah, they're they're fine in the summer, man. Your hands. You don't like high. powerlifting gloves. I used to wear the shit out of them because <laughs> I didn't want my hands to get hot. You know what I mean? I was always sweating that. But those Odin's work 
really well. I don't have a problem with them in the summer. Anytime I see fingerless gloves, I think tap out douchebag. <laughs> well, maybe I, if I could find some that fit well, that like weren't super hot in the summer, I might consider wearing some. That's why you buy summer gloves. Perforated. Mary, you should check with D Haven. Hands. D Haven. D Haven. D. It's D E H A V E N. I believe is how it's spelled. They do yeah. all kinds of uh, moto gear. One of their. You got to search around. You'll find them. I mean, I found some to fit these sausage fingers. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they're fucking nubs. I got a paw. I don't even have a hand. You yeah. look like you got a size 11 palm with a size eight finger. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know there's people that's going to listen to this podcast. They're going to say, I'm going to wear whatever I want. It's my life. And it, and that's and true. true. It is. It's, it's your, it's your life. Do what you want. But I mean, know that rides aren't predictable. No, they never are. right. No. And I, I'm honest. Every time I get on the bike, I have a little bit of fear every time I go out. And I think if you lose that, that's when shit goes awry. Yeah. At least keep it in the back somewhere. Yeah. It's always in the back of my mind. I'm going out on the motorcycle. Shit could go wrong. But for the most yeah. part, go out and have, go out and have a blast. That's what, that's what yeah, you have are fun. For. But what I'm saying, when you go out there and you, you don't have that little bit in the back of your mind, that's usually when shit goes awry. That healthy yeah. amount of fear. A little yeah. healthy amount of fear doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. It, it, gets it what, keeps you aware. It gets what Corey Saddletramp has said is like people get complacent. Yeah. Even yeah. though you're on the same road 50 times before, something could happen. Yeah. No. It, and it happens quick. Yeah. yeah. And we've said it on the podcast before, and it's true. If you ride like every single person in a car is trying to kill you, you're also doing yourself a favor. Because yeah. you're you're never assuming that that person sees you or that you're safe. You always assume that somebody pulls up an intersection is going to pull out in front of you, you know. Right. And, and and it doesn't always make for the most enjoyable ride. You because all you know you're like you know head on a swivel. But you know there's there's some of that that's actually true. I mean I know for me, I if I if I know I'm going to ride for a long period of time, I get out of town as fast as I can, and I try to ride out of town. Um, away from the traffic and out of the city um, to, to, cause for me, it's just much more enjoyable. Yeah. I, I'm the same way. I, I don't want to be, I don't want cars around me. Once when I'm out away from the cars, I'm, I'm good. But I think one of the big things too, is, is people try to push themselves a little too far, stay in your comfort zone. I mean, you can yeah. push yourself a little bit, but if you're riding with people that f- are far more advanced than you are, don't try to keep up with them. Absolutely. Be- yeah. honesty is the best yeah. policy at that moment in time when yeah. we had the meetup that's the one thing we expressed to everyone is look if you need to be honest with us on your riding level and what you're comfortable with if we're going too fast let us know we're going too fast we need to slow down we kept it at a slow pace except there for a couple of times when Dustin was doing 120, <laughs> but through the cornfields, I'm looking down, yeah. I'm like, fuck, we're doing 80. <laughs> but, but, but for the most part, you know, if you're going to ride around with people, if they don't want to ride where you're comfortable riding, then go find somebody else to go ride with. Tell yeah. them and to it's also off. an ego thing. If you're out with people that can ride 
there riding faster than you. It's like, I want to be able to keep up. I want to be able to do this. And, right. and it on a motorcycle, you, you can get fucked up really quick. Yeah. You can be in a damn full scorpion and not even yeah, know. Yeah, you can get fucked up really quick. And yeah. we're and, and don't, do that. Yeah, don't get us wrong. We're we're just giving some tips and some things that we know as riders. We're not saying that Matt did any of these things. No, no. So don't don't get it twisted. No. We're, yeah, we're just we're just saying these things because we have experienced all of these things ourselves, either in group rides or riding individually. And no matter how good of a rider you are. I mean, I, up until last season had never dropped a bike ever. I dropped my bike twice last year and I was right. Both times I was riding, doing things a little bit out of my comfort zone. And, and truly one time was 100% rider air. I was in a deep corner. My wife was on the back bikes fully loaded down. I was making a U-turn so I could back into a parking space and I made the cardinal mistake and I tapped my front brake my bike immediately stopped and we tipped over. That was, I mean, it was a, a completely a rookie move, right? But these things happen. That's why you have to always practice safety. You always have to be diligent about your riding and not get yourself into a situation. You know, too, that's the thing that me and Tony had this conversation the other morning and uh, you know, I've, I've spoken with Matt. I spoke with Matt last night. And the one thing that every motorcyclist shares with anyone who's been riding a number of years is the one remember, you know, rememberable. God, that's a long word. Memorable. Memorable. The, the one memorable. English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Exactly. <laughs> the one memorable wreck that they learned from. <clears throat> I've had one. I know Tony's had one. Mary, Mary's experienced a broken arm from one. Dustin, I don't. You've you've not really had a, a bad accident, have you? No. Oh. There's gonna be one. God damn, Mike. And hey, I'm not, I'm just saying that's accidents it's a part happen. of they it. Do. Accidents happen. happen. What you do by wearing the safety gear and why, when you go out, you remember the cardinal rules of motorcycling, looking both ways, paying attention, riding like people are trying to kill you. All you're doing is mitigating the severity of that action, of that accident. That's, that's all you're doing is mitigating. And as a, you know, as a motorcycle rider, I don't want to see anyone wreck or get hurt or, or anything like that, but you know what? It's going to happen. So, um, so Mike, when, when you go out or any of you guys, any of you all, when you all go out, what are the main things that you look for when you're riding? What do you mean? As far as so, watching, so, so, what, so, what to so watch like, out for? So, like, for instance, when I ride, the two things that worry me the most is somebody running up my ass and somebody pulling out in front of me. Yeah, I would say okay. somebody pulling out in front of me. I always watch so, when people are, like, pulling up to a stop sign or yeah, something. I don't ever so, trust an intersection. Mm -mm. So, when, when, I, when I'm riding down, like, you know, in the city especially, when I'm trying to get out to get on gravel or dirt or whatever, there's people pulling in and out of streets. There's you know, whatever, stoplights, whatever. Mm 
the first thing that I do if I see a car pull up to an intersection is I look at the front wheel. If that is moving, slow down. <laughs> I, because that is the one part of the car that you can tell that moves. You can tell, a lot, depending on how close or far away you are, you can depend on how it's turned or whatever. You know, some hopefully you can see their blinker if they're turning, you know, left or whatever in front of you. But I look at their wheel to see if they're moving. The you know, and the first thing after I look at see the car pull up, I cover my brake, I cover my clutch, and I get ready to do a, an evasive maneuver, regardless of whether I have to. I I know, slow the fuck down. I just slow down. Um, fuck well. Yes, but I at least, you know, I mean, I keep up the speed of the road. I'm not going to put myself, hey, you'll put yourself in personal danger <laughs> by slamming on your brakes, slowing down. Well, um, somebody coming up on, on my ass on a country road or whatever else, hey, there ain't no shame in pulling over in somebody's driveway to let people pass. Dude, I do it all the time when I'm out mm-hmm. on these back roads. If people get on my ass because they want to do 60, 70 miles an hour down these things. Yeah, I just pull over in somebody's driveway. Yeah, have a good fucking day, dick sucker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, give them the bird while they're going by too. They'll love you forever. I say good day, cocksucker. I will say I am not opposed to honking my horn at somebody. I mean, even if they're like pulling up and easing up, bumping up, whatever, and I think they're fixing to pull out, I'll honk the shit out of that thing. Yeah, you know, a lot of people they go for this eye contact thing with the, the driver of the car. That shit doesn't work. Cause those motherfuckers could be staring right at you and just fucking plow right into you. They don't stare at you. They stare through you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you they gotta, might just, they might just go anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? They might see you and just go anyway. It doesn't yeah, matter. Just, I'm going to take yeah. this fucker out. No, that guy be able to, that guy be able to stop just fine. No, it's stopping nope. on a bike is not the same as stopping in a car. No, no, but I, but that's, I, I look at the wheel and then if I see somebody come up behind me pretty quick, like if I have looked, if I have just looked down in my rearview mirror and there was nobody back there and then 10, 15 seconds later, I check my mirror and there's somebody right on my ass. Yeah. I've turned my turn signal on, slow down, pull into the first driveway. If I'm on, which I'm, I'm normally on the CRF anyway, cause that's the only back I got. I mean, shit, I'll take a ditch. I don't care. No, and, and you know, it's not it's a bad funny. idea either to find a parking lot and work on the basics, you know, yeah. uh, on upon occasion, you know, your emergency braking, shit like that. Uh, find an empty parking lot to practice in. Yeah. yeah. And I will, I will say this. So in talking with Matt, Matt's motorcycle that he normally rides, his bike, has and his ABS. bike was, has ABS. Yeah. His dad's slim of course, did not have ABS. And he thinks that that was a contributing factor, which I'm sure it is. Because it probably I, asked, is. I asked him, I said, are you used to the ABS? He said, yeah, I've had to stop really quick at times and I'm used to that ABS. And that's, you know, that's generally what has saved him from wrecking, locking up, whatever. But you, Tony, you've made the comment that rider raids make, can make you a better rider, but also it can also be a hindrance to it you as could well. Be a hindrance, because I'll, I'll tell you, I had ABS on the slim, and just 
here recently, I've noticed the, the, the slim front brake was not mushy, but it, it was, it had more feel to it. You know what I'm saying? This, uh, this one on the street bob is a fucking hair trigger. I mean, it's a fucking <laughs> hair trigger, man. I mean, it's either, it's either off or it's on cause it's not ABS. It's, and it's a real, down 357. Yeah. Hair it's trigger. a fucking stiff fucking front brake man on that thing. I mean, there's no, no play in it whatsoever. So, I mean, if you was to grab a handful of that, you would definitely get fucked up pretty quick. That's called modulation, Tony. Yeah. There's, do, there's about an eighth of an inch of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's not much. You do a stoppy then just stand it right. Up I on mean, the front it wheel. is, it is a fucking hair trigger break front brake on that thing. Hey, going back to the intersection talk a few minutes mm-hmm. back, you guys do something different with your lane positioning when you approach a somewhat sketchy intersection where somebody could pull out in front of you? It all depends on. I'm always, I I generally ride on the left side of the lane. Okay. Cause I got, I got an intersection every commute on the way into Litchfield. There's a stoplight. And most of the time it's green when I go through it because it's the main, main highway and the others are just like frontage roads. So I'm going to be green most of the time when I go through that thing. Well, when you approach that, it's two lanes. And then when you get to the stoplight on a little bit before there's a left turn lane. So across the intersection is the same situation. You know, you got a, you got a left turn lane and then you got two other lanes. Sometimes if there's cars in both of those two left lanes, one in the left turn lane, one in the left lane next to me. And like, say the light just turns green and I'm, you know, just a little bit back, but I'm still, I'm still going. Mm-hmm. I always position myself to the right. So the car coming can see me better. Yep. Yeah. And I think that does help. Cause I, I've had, had situations during that commute where I thought a car was going to pull out from me. I saw like my Mike, what you said, the wheels started turning. I'm like, Oh shit, here we go. Yeah. yeah. The and best thing you could do at, at that intersection is when you come, if, if it's, if it is a sketchy intersection, because people, I had this happen to me back, um, I don't know, it's been over a year ago, but I I was coming down the road and the guy thought I was in the turn lane going to turn and he turned in front of me. And depending on if it's at the crest of a hill or something like that, if it's a sketchy intersection and there's a possibility of someone not seeing you, the best thing you could do is slow down. Yeah, slow. Down. I always position myself to where I have an out. Yeah, if that but makes if, sense. If there's cars in the left-hand lane that are turning, and you only have one other option with the lane, if you get on the right side of the road to let that person see you, that's turning, the person that's pulling out from that right side, if someone's coming out that way may not see you when they go to turn out onto the road or the highway. So being in the left-hand lane and slowing down would mitigate someone pulling out from the side road in front of you, as well as you being cautious to the person who's turning left in front of you. I I usually slow down in those situations. And pulling out doesn't work a lot. I mean, there's lots of times when pulling out just doesn't work. No, no you'll still end up with kids. I yeah, mean, I got three sure. of them. 
Yeah. <laughs> unless, unless, unless she has a nickel in her that, mouth. That at the rhythm time. method does not work. Yeah. <laughs> Tony's, Tony's pullout game is weak. Really it's weak. weak. It's weak. Man. <laughs> it all happened so fast. <laughs> it all happened so fast. <laughs> you need to, man. All of it. <laughs> if the rhythm, if the rhythm section ain't working, Tony, you got to practice your kegels, buddy. Fuck, <laughs> oh, dude. I'm too old for that shit now. <laughs> Throw out a hip. <laughs> I was getting my O face on and I dropped the deuce right in the I dropped the deuce right in the bed. I sneezed <laughs> and I blew my back out. God almighty. <laughs> so with all of that being said. <laughs> hashtag old man problems. Hashtag save the shark. Yes. Save the shark. So I, I guess to sum it all up, man, is use common sense when you're when you're riding. Don't ride yeah. outside of your comfort zone. Wear whatever you're comfortable wearing as far as safety equipment. But I think all of us would agree that uh, full face helmet is a is a must. Some yeah. people just tell us to straight fuck off. I know, but yeah, yeah, be all right. It's so hard. Everybody to. has their own opinion. I mean, you know. And a condom's always better than pulling out. Mm. Yeah. So do I we want feel. to mention what we're doing for Matt then? Yes. We will. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's do it. Let's do it right now. Mention it. So with all of that being said, guys, what we are um, doing is a fundraiser for our friend Matt. And if you'd like to donate in any way, you can go to our website, 5dirtybikers.com, click on the news link, and it, that will take you to our PayPal. And you can donate towards Matt um, for medical expenses or whatever. Just put in the comments for PayPal that that is for Matt. And if you can do it as friends and family, that um, keeps us from having to pay fees and um, keeps money from coming out. And all of that money that's donated is going directly to Matt for medical expenses or whatever else he needs while he's in the hospital and out of work. And everybody that's donated, thank you so much. It's The response has been off it's the charts. Been, yeah, it's been really yeah. cool. It's been phenomenal. Hey guys, I heard the funniest joke on TikTok the other day. I oh, God. <laughs> guys, guys taking video of his wife. She's like doing her hair in the bathroom. He goes, hey, baby, what's the difference between my bonus check and my wiener? <laughs> she can't. She can't figure it out. He says, you'll blow my bonus check. <laughs> I'm telling you, he married the wrong guy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And now it's time for the Whip Banana Mono Word of the Day. It's like jet fuel for your mind. Hey, speaking of being old and almost pooping your pants, <laughs> the word of the day is short reuse. <laughs> oh. oh, nobody wants to reuse it after that. Are you, are you talking about like reusing the underwear after the shark? Sure. But usually you got to throw those away. No. Truth. 
Usually, do you shard a lot, Tony? Dude, that you actually can use. I told you all that, that story about my son shitting in that onesie. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I tell you that? Uh, yeah, yeah, about it coming up his back. It went up his back and came out of the sleeves. <laughs> I threw away the high chair, all the clothes, everything. My wife got on with what happened. I was like, shit everywhere. <laughs> the high chair. I threw away everything, dude. Everything yes. was thrown away and I put him immediately in the shower. There was no amount of wet wipes. I was going to take care of this. <laughs> you guys do understand. <laughs> you do understand there's this thing called laundry detergent and Clorox. I don't care. I'm not putting a big corny shit filled onesie in the, in the fucking, in the washing machine. But you could reuse it though. I'll go buy I another think, one. I don't think there's a one of us here that haven't sharded on our No. Just be honest. And when no, it I happens, don't. whatever I'm wearing is getting thrown away. <laughs> you know what happened been- to me? I was like, I was like, I was over 30 the last time it happened to me. And we were coming home from WeFest, this big, I don't even like country music, but I spent all five days there drinking and I, you know, get in the car and I got bubble guts. We're like, you know, hour and a half from a bathroom. And that's what I had. You know, I had a, I had a, I had a fart with the chaser, except that the was as, was as big as a watermelon. Oh my God. I'll tell you what, after you hit 40, you never trust a fart. <laughs> no, ever. That's, that's I have why literally, I've literally thrown my under, underwear away like, in yes. books a million before. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you, you guys are talking about sharding. I, hey, I just, I'll be honest. I'm not going to be like you guys and I straight up shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> There's been, potato. Many, <laughs> hey, there's, been, potato. there's been many a times, <laughs> many, many <that> times. <laughs> I have had to cut the sides of my underwear <laughs> and come home throw, with no socks. <laughs> no, I come home with socks. I'm just having to be, I'm just having to run commando well, you for have, the you entire have to day. Use the socks for the cleanup. No, you got toilet paper. I, I excuse myself to after I make it to the bathroom. Hopefully, it hasn't leaked out onto my pants yet. Oh my god! But you just cut the sides on them, and then they just fall right out like a diaper. It, I mean, you know, unfortunately, it happens. I don't even know what to say. Spelling. <laughs> Spelling is S H A R T dash R O O S. Shard ooze. Shard ooze. <laughs> Shard ooze. It oozes. All right. Yes. Yeah. Shitasticles. <laughs> would be Shard ruse. <laughs> it's a noun. It comes from. French late 19th century. So you mean to tell me hmm. that French people didn't start pooping their pants until the 19th century? I find that hard to believe. Well, they just probably just started. They probably just developed the word then. Yeah. Just, just a lot of wee wee. Yeah. Wee wee. What will, what shall we call this? We will call it short reuse. <laughs> 
uh, first definition, a pale green <laughs> or yellow liqueur made from brandy and aromatic herbs. Well, I can tell you this. Sharks usually happen after some libations. <laughs> Depending on how much you've had. Drinks, Mike. You start drinking that bourbon. I guarantee you're going to shit yourself sooner or later. <laughs> I didn't know what a libate. I didn't know what a libation was. A libation. That should be a word of the day. Then there you go. Like a lot. Did you say live Asian? <laughs> no. S S B D C M guy. Second definition of shark reuse, which is probably. The color of your underpants, a pale yellow or green color resembling the liqueur shark reuse. <laughs> that what? It's like baby food green. You oh, know, that yeah. looking like bleh. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. pea pea green. Like split pea soup. Like, you know, I ate a, you, you all eat pickled beets. You like pickled beets or beets? No, sir. No, I don't I ate a fucking jar of those things one time, took a dump and thought I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was bleeding out. That'll do it. I, I was like, oh my God. Cake. I was calling my wife. I was like, I'm dying. I'm bleeding out. <laughs> beets. You eat too much red velvet cake. That'll do it too. Well, it, oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, it does do that. You're right. Mm. Well, it makes your poop split pea soup green. Split pea soup? Split pea soup, I would guess. <laughs> or sickness. Yes. Sickness will do it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Or if the doctor gives you some of them cold tablets, it'll turn it some dark, funky color of green. If you and then when that comes Pepto out. You got the tar shits. <laughs> it's awful. They haven't made might, enough Charmin. You might clog up your toilet. You're definitely going to need a plunger. Hey, Tony, would you like for me to use short reuse in a sentence? Yes, please. All right. To celebrate the project's success, the team leader brought in some short reuse to share. I know Nobody what this word is. Mm. I thought I did, but now I don't know. If I, I know what it is. A two girls, one cup. Oh my god, dude! That was <clears throat> fucking the worst video ever on the internet. Don't do even not, look it up, Mary. Do not if you do not look that up. Do not look it up. Okay, I won't look it up. That'll I'm, scar you for life. I'm really not feeling this word. Keep it's going. A good word. Keep going. Okay. Second, second example of short reuse in a sentence. I forgot it was St. Patrick's Day until I noticed folks wearing every shade of green from shark reuse to Kelly. Well, shit. I thought I had the word. Now I'm not sure that I do. I know what the word is. Those St. Patrick's Day drinks they were all drinking. I yes. got I got the word. I, I thought I knew the word. And then then you said you knew it, Tony. But I, I know I what thought it was shark charcuterie. No, it's chartreuse. Chartreuse. It's chartreuse. Char it's a it's a color. Char 
What? It's a color, chartreuse, right? Yeah, it's the color that's, of your underwear when you poop your pants. But that's the word, chartreuse. Sh- chartreuse. Yeah. <laughs> Not char- chartreuse. Chartreuse. I thought it was charcuterie. Anytime. It's Any, the truth any, that we've all sharted. So there. Yes. Yeah. Chartreuse. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you ever hear anybody that says they're a sharp shooter, yeah. Ask them to make sure they're not a shart shooter. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yes. That can get messy pew, quick. Pew pew. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> poo, poo, poo. <laughs> pew, pew. That has been the word of the day. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us on this edition of Five Dirty Bikers Podcast. Make sure you go check out ForgottenAngelsFlorida.org as well as WeebsMotorCo.com. You got a few days left. Go purchase a raffle ticket get in for this beautiful bike that Jared did an amazing job on. Until next time, what do we need to do, Mary? Keep it dirty, riders. (laughs) Can't keep it tight like Tony does. I keep my shit tight. (laughs) 